Welcome to another special edition of the Diepod. Today we're picking up right where we left off and returning to the darkest corners of Hollywood lore. Really? So get ready for another helping of outlandish urban legends. Was singer Avril Lavigne replaced by a doppelganger named Melissa? Wow. Does the ghost of a little boy appear in the movie Three Men and a Baby? Did Steve from Blue's Clues really die of a heroin overdose? Whoa! <laughs> wow! Woo. All those questions and more will be answered on this episode of Death in Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. <gasps> what do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. Welcome back, everybody. This segment is called In the Scare Tonight. Very nice. Phil Collins' debut single, In the Air Tonight, from his album Face Value in 1981. One of the stories, there's so many, he witnessed somebody drowning. Yes. But he did not save that person. And he felt so guilty that he wrote this song about it. (laughs) I'm sure the person who died would be more than, I would be preferred that he saved him instead of writing the song. (laughs) It's so dumb. It's like people are just literally taking a lyric from the song and making it a true story. The lyric goes, well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. I would not lend a hand. And then there's another lyric. I've seen your face before, my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am. So that speaks to the version where he witnessed someone else witnessing the drowning. Mm -hmm. And he witnessed someone else who didn't help. Mm. And so now this is his indictment of that person. And it wasn't someone that he knew very well personally, but they they kind of knew each other. They were, you know. Well, he might have known that person personally. Um, that is another variation. Okay. And there's another lyric. Well, I was there and I saw what you did. I saw it with my own two eyes. And in this scenario, he's basically seeking revenge on this person who didn't help out, right? And it goes further where he hires a detective and eventually finds out this person's identity, the one who left the other person drowning or possibly killed the other person, not even drowning. Hmm. He witnessed an actual murder. It sounds like Minority Report, like the precog thing or something. It was like a pre-crime. Yeah. (laughs) And so he hired a detective, found out who the murderer was or the non-responder was and he set up this elaborate concert where he was going to debut the song in the air tonight and the moment he started playing his new song he had them put the spotlight on the murderer and he sang it directly into his eyesight yeah that's ridiculous exposing him (laughs) yeah instead of the police showing up and arresting someone 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> so at the concert, he called them out? Yeah. And debuted this song. I can just imagine people at like the beer concession afterwards. Like, that's the guy who uh, who killed the guy. They called him out in the yeah. song right before this. <laughs> like, that's him? That's that. I hate that guy. That's not him. That's fucking Frank. <laughs> oh, Frank, what's up? <laughs> Sorry, Frank. We thought you were that guy that uh, they called out in the, uh, the, the murder guy and the drowning thing. <laughs> that was Timmy. He wasn't drowning. He was swimming. Yeah. Timmy's right over there. Yeah. Oh, hey, Timmy. <laughs> Timmy. And then, of course, the details always vary. Sometimes Phil Collins knows the person personally, either the victim or the murderer. Sometimes his wife was attacked. And so then he's pursuing the person who attacked his wife. Yeah. Have you guys heard similar versions? Am I missing anything? I've heard all those. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a song about something. Maybe it could have been like a local legend out near where Phil Collins grew up in England or something that a story that everyone had heard of. People have like regional local legends and stuff. And maybe mm-hmm. he just he just put that into a song. Right. Yeah. The uh, The character of Stan played by uh, Eminem in the song Stan. Yes. He talks about this song being like, hey, you know, Phil Collins in the air of the night when he saw some guy drowning but didn't did nothing. And he's going off on this. It's just a crazy person believing this shit. Yeah. (laughs) In the song, he says, Phil saw it all. Then at the show, he found him in Stan. Yeah. That's the lyric. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he used it as an analogy to talk about, you know, him kind of drowning, the, the Stan in the song that Eminem was talking about. Yeah. So here's the truth. Phil Collins calls the legend hogwash. Bonkers. Bonkers, and it's frustrating. It's rubbish. The song is merely about divorce, written at a time when he was angry and bitter. Hogwash? Isn't that uh, Rosie O'Donnell's shower? <laughs> Speaking of Hogwa- callbacks, I said uh, I said hogwash. <laughs> Only Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I have a clip here. Let, let me get to this clip. So this is from one of our friend of the show shows dealing with the Phil Collins legend. All right, finally some peace and quiet, so I can buckle down and get some writing done. good thanks babe hey you know what that song's about phil collins watching some guy watch another guy drown and then the next night he invited the watching guy to be in the front row of his concert so he could sing it right to him and they could arrest the guy really why wouldn't he have just helped the guy who's drowning i don't know i think he was on a bridge or something like he could see it but he couldn't get there in time (laughs) by the way this this is brian overhearing the neighbors debating this yeah. So I'm going to continue with the clip now. But he let a whole day pass? Why didn't he call <laughs> the cops? Because he was busy writing the song. I feel like maybe this story is bogus. Uh, hang on. Let me check Snopes. Yeah, none of that happened. <sighs> I've never noticed the cr- the cross on the toaster before, like the uh, the Christian cross there. You ever see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm, right. We're starting our own uh, urban legend here now. Yeah. Did you know Seth MacFarlane was a Satanist who hides Christ's imagery somewhere in every scene? <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he secretly slips in all these uh, Christ images and stuff into the family guy. <laughs> all right, so I guess false. The song's just about divorce. 
Yeah, it's false. Okay. Well, Brian just cleared it up right there. He certainly did. Or Joe did. Joe did, yeah. Okay, so our so, next segment is called Fargoing the Truth. Oh. oh, nice. I get it. The movie Fargo <laughs> opens up with this disclaimer. This is a true story. The events depicted in this film took place in Minnesota in 1987. At the request of the survivors, the names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, the rest has been told exactly as it occurred. Did you know it was a true story? Um, there is a, a car salesman whose father-in-law did get kidnapped or killed or something, wasn't there? Sort of, yeah. This one is kind of fuzzy. Because yeah. that was actually a joke. Oh, wow. It wasn't based on a true story. It was just the Coen brothers having a little fun with the audience. Huh. They did the same thing with like, oh, brother, where art thou, right? Where they said it was vaguely based on the Odyssey by Homer. Right. It has nothing to do with the Odyssey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Kyle, you're right. There was a kidnapping plot in Minnesota, the case of Virginia Piper. Yeah. And it involved a ransom and kidnapping, but that's it, really. The rest of the details are all original. Yeah, his wife didn't get wrapped in a shower curtain <laughs> trying to hide. No. <laughs> and fall down the stairs to her death. No. I think the Fargo TV show does the same thing where they, uh, at the beginning of every season or every episode, they say this is loosely based on true events, where it's all just made up stuff by the creators of the TV show Fargo. <laughs> right. And then there was the story of Helly Crafts, who was murdered in 1986. They got some elements from this. She was a Danish flight attendant who was murdered by her husband, Richard Crafts, and he disposed of her body in a wood chipper. Ooh, boy. Oh, okay. So that's where that was taken. Like, elements of the movie are taken from real life. Yeah. And her death brought about the first murder conviction in the state of Connecticut in which a body was never found. Ah, circumstantial evidence. Yep. Case is made. So there we go. Fargo, original movie. There was wow. a Japanese movie in which um, a girl comes to America, goes to Fargo, North Dakota, in order to find the money that was buried uh, in the movie, thinking that it was real. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. I is it a documentary? No, no. It's, it's, a real, it's a real narrative movie. I can't think of the name of it oh, wow. right now. But, it, but, she, <laughs> but she just like has, lives in like a hellish existence. It's either Korea. No, it's Korea, I think. What is the movie called? Um, damn it. I can't think of it right now. Well, let us know. All right. Are we ready for our next one? Yes. Yes. The next segment is called... Gold splatter. Oh, my God. Oh, I already know what you're going to say about this one. James Bond, Goldfinger, one of the top Bond movies, released in 1964. Well, in the movie, Goldfinger, the villain's secretary, turns on him, and he gets wind of this, so he murders her by painting her body gold. King Midas. And we have a little clip of that scene where Sean Connery as Bond discovers her. That's a lot of gold. Jill?
Hello, Felix. Get over here right away. What's up? The girl's dead. Dink? Uh, Masterson, Jill Masterson. She's covered in paint. Gold paint. Send Ray Donovan. <laughs> okay, so the story goes that that actress died on set after being covered in paint because you breathe out of your skin and so they covered up all her pores yeah mark mentioned cover-ups on the wizard of oz they were so spooked that the crew covered it up oh wow and the actress was never heard from again she didn't appear in another movie so goes the story wow but she was seen again after though right she was like she's been seen in public possibly (laughs) Not according to the legend. Mm, okay. And as you can see, the cover of Life magazine, not the serial, the actual magazine, iconic. For some reason, her covered in gold, it just became the face of the movie. So she was everywhere, but then suddenly she really wasn't anywhere in the industry after that. So that's where this rumor gained steam. Yeah. The truth of it all, of course, is that actress Shirley Eaton, who portrayed Jill Masterson in the movie, retired after doing a few more films so that she could raise a family. She even wrote a book titled Golden Girl in 1999. Ah, very nice. I wonder if there's just like little pieces of gold still on her somewhere. She just wasn't able to get off. Yeah. She's still trying to get wipe it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it never leaves you. I'd leave it on. You know what her net worth is in that paint? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was real gold, I heard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this one was false. I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah, it's funny. That's still like a... It was an urban legend when I was in high school. I remember people saying that if you covered yourself in antiperspirant deodorant and covered all your pores, you would die because your body has no way to get the same exact thing, like breathe out of the pores. And I remember I stopped a science class when I was in 10th grade and asked my uh, science teacher if it was true. And he was just like, what? No. (laughs) Just like, anyway, (laughs) back to the lesson. (laughs) Because you can still breathe out of your nose and mouth. Yeah. It's like (laughs) so annoyed. (laughs) Did you pass that class or did you get like a D minus? Oh, I got, yeah, like an F minus. (laughs) (laughs) He was held back. (laughs) They send you to the principal's office for asking the dumbest question possible. Yeah, exactly. Get this idiot out of here. Which shows that there are such things as as dumb questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This next one is called Blondie's Bundy Breakout. Ooh. So Debbie Harry from Blondie in the 1970s, was nearly abducted by serial killer Ted Bundy in New York and narrowly escaped with her life. Mm. Isn't that crazy? That's frightening. But I, why would this guy... Was it, Where was he? He was in Ohio or something, right? He was everywhere. But was he in New York City in the early 70s? Bum, bum, bum. I couldn't picture him in CBGBs at any point. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting through the Ramones just to wait for Blondie to come up so he could kidnap the, the lead singer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's interesting. A, a lot of the places he was, they were very rural places. So it would be interesting yeah. to think, you know, maybe that was a part of his plan the whole time. Never go to a major city. Yeah. He just leaves his car on with, with the hazards out front while while like he goes in to get it. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> double park. Double park. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, can't park there. 
<laughs> That's basically what happened here. She was hitchhiking and yeah, he invited her in the car and here's her account of it. This is her telling the story on RuPaul's podcast, What's the Tea? Of course. It was boiling hot, boiling hot. And this guy was kind of good looking, had on white mill, like a dress shirt. And he had dark curly hair, very good looking. Yet he stank to high heaven. <laughs> he smelled so bad. And it was so hot. And I couldn't. You could use that. And then I looked around and I said, well, why does he have the windows rolled? Yeah. And then I looked at the door and there were no handles. Oh. But the window was open this much at the top. Mm -hmm. And I was a lot skinnier then. <laughs> So I, I wiggled my arm out, and without him actually noticing, and I opened the car from the outside, and I he didn't notice you're sticking your arm through that. He must have been out of it. Well, he spun out as soon as he realized what I was doing, mm. and it actually helped me with momentum to get mm -hmm. the door open and fall out. Wow. Wait, so this is actually real? It is, except that there's this author, Anne Rule, who wrote a book about Ted Bundy, and she says that he was not around New York in the early 70s. Yeah, I mean, how would they know? His hair's not that curly either. Right, that too. And Debbie Harry is the only person that has described him as smelling bad. Mm. <laughs> Everyone else said he smelled like... Uh, roses. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, like roses. Yeah. But also that author said that there's a lot of women who actually had the false memory of encountering Bundy, that it was a common phenomenon. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So Blondie, Debbie Harry, she's aware of the skepticism, but she still maintains that he could have been on the run. He was constantly switching states, and that she's yeah. pretty sure she encountered him. Wow. So this is one that really I can't say is true or false. I'm not trying to blame the victim here, but I can't believe Blondie was hitchhiking. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. No, but it was a different time. In the no, 60s and 70s, people hitchhiked all the time. And they weren't famous till the 80s, right? Blondie would have been up and coming then. Yeah, late 70s, early 80s. Yep. Yeah. Either way, she had this scary encounter. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this next one is called Three Men. And a little ghost. This is a good one. This is a legendary one. Yeah. Urban legendary one. Ha. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Three Men and a Baby, directed by Leonard Nimoy, actually. That's so crazy. <laughs> so weird. Cambridge native. Oh, wow. Yeah. Boston, baby. All right. Welcome to the party. Woo. Made huge stars out of Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg. And Ted Danson. Yeah, huge I would argue stars. Ted, Ted Danson was already a huge star before. This. I love how you said this launches them. Yeah, yeah, and Gutenberg. What are we talking about here? And they stayed big stars. Yeah, and Tom Selleck was Magnum PI. Yeah, I've never heard them say "I owe it all to Leonard Nimoy." Yeah, this, this movie. This movie made me. This baby made me. So. Look, this was a big hit, by the way. One of it was in the top ten money earners of that year, nineteen eighty-seven. And a year where there was there was some big blockbusters also that were going up against. Beverly Hills Cop Two, I believe, was the number one movie that year. Wow. Yeah, I think the baby really made this made this movie. That's where all the box office power came from. Was the baby? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's a comedy where three men have a baby. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Okay, so in one scene when Ted <laughs> Danson's character's mom is visiting him in the apartment, when she picks up the baby, you can see the ghost of a little boy behind her. Dun, dun, dun. All right, shall we watch the scene? Yeah. Hold on. So we can cut this if I'm jumping the gun, but apparently the urban legend was this kid was killed with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And when it pans one way, you see the kid. And then when it goes the other way, you can see the shotgun. Possibly. Let's see. <laughs> Look at the way she's looking at me. <laughs> okay, oh so there's God. the ghost. The boy's just creepily looking over their shoulders. I thought the point of ghosts is that you can't see them. Not this yeah. ghost. But only when ne- Leonard Nimoy is directing, you can see them. Yeah, this kid wants to be a star. For a moment there, I had her laughing. Yeah, just like me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the way she's looking at me. <laughs> For a moment there, I had her laughing. Yeah, just like me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is the creepy part. Yeah, this is scary. <laughs> <laughs> And we zoom in on the ghost out. (laughs) Okay, so this is from another scene in the movie. Ted Danson is an actor. His character is an... He's also an actor in real life, but he plays an actor (laughs) in the movie. And there's a deleted scene that involves him doing some ad campaign where there's a cardboard stand-up of himself in top hat, white tie, and tails. Oh, my God. And we're looking at the picture now. As you can see... That is very similar to the ghost in the window, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're the first person that told... I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago. And you were the first person that told me it was a cardboard cutout because I still had no idea what it was. Yeah, that's definitely the cardboard cutout. Yeah, with, yeah. with the top hat. But it also kind of looks like Gutenberg a little bit, but it's definitely Ted <laughs> Mark's starting a new rumor that yeah. Gutenberg is in the window. It's just a weird one that doesn't make any sense. Okay, but let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's not the Ted Danson cardboard cutout. The story goes that the little boy was depressed and killed himself with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. Because I think part of the windowsill, somewhere in the architecture, you can see the shotgun. Yes. I haven't been able to pick it up really, though, actually. This... Along with the Wizard of Oz, it's just people that perfectly frame themselves in the middle of important shots and movies. They wait for that time to kill themselves. Yeah. And then another version <laughs> is that the, the boy just got sick and died in the house. And then the mom was so distraught when she noticed watching the movie, she saw her son. And so she tried to sue the filmmakers to delete the scene from the movie. And they wouldn't listen to her. So then she made the talk show rounds. She went on Oprah airing her grievances with the studio. Is that true? Some people claim to have seen that interview through a friend of a friend. Oh, that's hilarious. Another version is that's Eric Clapton's little boy. Oh, my Uh, God. Tears in heaven. (laughs) Yikes. Would you know my name? Do you want to hear the truth? Yeah. Yes, please. The movie came out in 1987. Eric Clapton's kid died in 1991. Mm-hmm. And 
all the interior scenes were shot on a soundstage in Toronto. Yep. So this house did not belong to any woman with a little boy. That's so funny. We have Tom Selleck talking about that here on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Do you remember there was a ghost in your movie? Uh, that, well, here's the story. I mean, the, 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 the it was, the this was a big deal for video sales and all, and maybe Disney made it up because the story was that, that this kid died in the house where we shot the movie. Oh, yeah. This little boy. Yeah. Well, we shot on a soundstage. They built the, the set and all. And, and <laughs> no, you can't. You know, no, you have to go along with the story. Well, look, no, I we, saw it. It looks really it. spooky. Well, if you can I, find a ghost boy, you let me know if I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but is there a ghost somewhere in the... <laughs> it's, it, it I mean, gonna... what is that guy doing? <laughs> if you pause the movie, he's in the window. Yeah. We yeah. didn't doctor that. No, no, I, I saw it and it looks a little spooky, but I, I don't, the story is ridiculous, you know? We <laughs> because... built, it's a sound, the ghost of the soundstage. It's kind of like. Well, then you, uh, you, uh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, Almost going into Woody Allen at any given moment. <laughs> he was like, yo, Tom, don't get ahead of this. I got this great bit where I'm going to bring out the picture. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's afraid that Tom Selleck will start selling reverse mortgages. So he just wants to like <laughs> yeah. cut him off. Or shoot him because he was a big NRA proponent. Big gun guy. Yeah, I remember speaking of Rosie O'Donnell, she, uh, <laughs> she cornered him that time. Yeah, him and Charlton Heston. Yeah. Actually, that happened in 1999 when Columbine happened. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Our next segment is taking us to 1999. <gasps> what? For a little documentary called The Blair Witch Project. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. I love this movie. Kyle believed this was real. Mm -hmm. Maybe he still does. It wasn't until the MTV VMA Awards that... Or the MTV Movie Awards that the the cast was there, and I was like, "What? Excuse me?" But you saw the movie, yeah, when I was thirteen, and I believed it to be true. So you, after watching the movie, you still thought it was true? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I was so scared. I wanted to believe it was true so bad. Wow. And then I'm like, they're accepting awards. I thought they were dead. That's almost like. A little kid believing in Santa Claus. Oh, big time, yeah. How old were you when you thought this? This was in 1999. I was 13 years old, and this is when you were dancing around at yeah, so uh, Woodstock. 99, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same summer. Yeah, that's true. When it came out. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was real, though. Nobody did when it finally came out. <laughs> so the rumor started before the Sundance Film Festival. They created an early website that went viral. Yes. And they had missing posters with the actors' real names. The actors used their real names in the movie. Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, Michael Williams. And on IMDb, before the movie was released, it listed the actors as deceased. Mm -hmm. The tagline for the movie is, in October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. Yeah. And Kyle's like, I found it! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't believe it. And here's the teaser trailer that probably got Kyle really spooked. 
The search of the three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads, a um, few other options we want to take advantage of and just try to put together some, uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? So the... Oh, Jesus. I, that worked on me a little bit. <laughs> so, as you can see, it says BlairWitch.com at the end. Brilliant yep. marketing campaign. This was genius because none of those clips were in the movie. No. And they had, like, files on this website, too. Mm-hmm. From, like, police reports and stuff. So I'm like, this has to be real. Why would they lie? Well... <laughs> I do respect this type of marketing, though. Like, all these things are taken. Like, whatever distributor that was distributing the three men and a little lady, whoever's doing doing this madness of making it seem like these people are really dead, I think it's kind of genius. Yeah. This was. And this is the original website on the Wayback Machine. Nice. The filmmakers, they acted like the three actors were the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. They're real here. They have photos and, you know, bios. That's awesome. Yeah. And this really worked, obviously, because I won't harp on you, Kyle, but living proof. There were uh, special people that thought this was real when it was released. <laughs> and it shocked Hollywood, really, because Runaway Bride was the number one movie when it debuted with wow. Julia Roberts and Blair Witch was number two that weekend. And it was on way less screens. It went down as like the most profitable movie of all time or something yeah, compared to like did. what the cost was based on what the uh, the box office was. And then Paranormal Activity took that uh, title and it, that still holds today. Really? And my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which one doesn't belong? Really? I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's two found footage horror films that cost $10,000 a piece to make. And one is Nia Vardalos giving one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> she tried to do a, a a sequel to that. It just didn't work out. Like my Oof. my big fat Greek funeral or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. She did no. like a follow-up and it bombed. It had the very original title, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. The bitch is back. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. The whole movie, it's just her going like, am I right, folks? Is this thing on? They should have had her character die of eating a ham sandwich. Yeah. Would have been much <laughs> a better. Feta, a feta salad. <laughs> 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 Too much feta. <laughs> the next one is called Avril Lavigne's Complicated Doppelganger. Different people. They recast her. She was a punk rocker girl, had a big hit with Complicated in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And she was replaced by a lookalike named Melissa Vandella after rising to fame in the early 2000s. Avril was overwhelmed and then depressed after the loss of her grandfather. So she died by suicide right after the release of her first album, Let Go. Mm -hmm. But due to the commercial success of this album, they had to keep the train running. Mm -hmm. So she was replaced by this actress, Melissa, who was her doppelganger. You following this? For sure. Okay. And we're looking at two pictures. On the right is Melissa. Left is the original. <laughs> so it, it, just, just to tie this in with death. 
is the assumption is that the real Avril Lavigne died and that they committed suicide. Committed suicide. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't yes. get that part. That makes sense. I, I'm wondering why the original would commit suicide, though. You know, she was, seemed to be doing very well. Her grandpa died. Yeah. But that's not enough for to to justify committing suicide. Maybe they were close. And the pressures of the entertainment industry. Oh, okay. You think she was yep. overwhelmed by the pressures. Yeah, there's a lot of success and a lot of things that come with it that you have to keep up with and too much. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Okay. You could you could easily just bow out of being famous and uh, yeah, you can always just quit. quit. <laughs> yeah, but also maybe you have people behind you that are like now you know dependent on you continuing this juggernaut going and being a, a famous star. So like maybe I do see that. I don't know. Yeah. And I guess some of her later music doesn't sound as much like her other music. Yeah, it's called growth. <laughs> <laughs> right well you know what lost growth her nose a little bit oh wait, wow explain that one well everyone oh, gets wow. a little bit of work done rhinoplasty you know? does not exist in this world yeah where noses are different <laughs> she's got a different nose man different nostrils yeah so do you want to hear the truth sure uh avril's alive and i saw her in concert last year <laughs> The original 2015 Brazilian blog post that started the rumor, here we go, I have it open right here, Mm -hmm. admitted that they made it up. Wow. So they said the theory was completely fabricated as an object lesson in internet misinformation and rumor. Oh, I hate that. The blog was a way to show how conspiracy theories can seem real. Many people believe everything they see on the internet. End quote. I mean, it is a an exercise in you know how fast things spread. If whether people believe it or not, how fast they actually say it <laughs> spread faster than the mayo on Mama Cass's ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was nice. Not, yeah, he had that in big bold letters <laughs> on the document. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, March, gotta get this out. Twenty four point font. Um, <laughs> but that did remind me of something when I was when I was a senior in high school. My um, my sociology teacher named Mrs. French was Conan O'Brien's cousin, and she started a rumor that uh, Conan was coming to the school and stuff. And I was like super excited because I was like so into his late night twelve thirty show that I was like putting together a a clip. Uh, like a videotape clip of all like my favorite parts of his show, and I wanted to, oh I wanted, to, I wanted to weirdly like play them for him when he came. Like he would, <laughs> even if this happened, he would be, he would get a restraining training order against me. He would be like, yeah. yeah, it's like that scene in Red Dragon where he's like, "Do you see?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or or Hannibal, whichever one it was. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> You're like Rupert Pupkin from The King of Comedy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I just need you to pl- see my videotape that I made for you. And I'm going to I'm going to make you eat it afterwards. No, but he uh <laughs> it turns out he was just trying to do like a sociological spare experiment about rumors. And then I confronted her on this and she admitted that she was lying. Mark cracked the case. What is with your school? She was really his cousin. Yeah. What what's with my school? 
Well, because you had that other rumor about the AZT in the parking <laughs> yeah, lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was in the woods that my biology teacher was was having sex with a man, and uh, there was a big <laughs> a big bottle of AZT was with them that some some hockey player started because he got a D in his class. Oh my. So yeah, I think rumors spread like crazy in my school. It just shows, you know, I think it, it is a good place to do that experiment because it was a big school and then pe- like these rumors would fly like, you know, wildfire. Yeah, I love that. Uh, like, let's see how fast one rumor can fly in a school full of children. Like, <laughs> pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, w- who have nothing else to talk about, but, yeah. you know, sports and, you know, in rumors like this. Right. <laughs> okay, so we don't believe this one, right? No. No way. False. Okay, well, that brings us to our final segment. Bum, bum, bum. Number 13. Lucky number 13. Ooh. Lucky number 11. I call this heroin blues. Nice. The kids show Blues Clues premiered to very high ratings on Nickelodeon in 1996. It was a sensation among the toddlers. Mm-hmm. Based a bit off of Mr. Rogers, where kids are encouraged to help hunt for things and learn the alphabet. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> It's educational programming. Yeah, it broke the fourth wall and spoke directly to you. It did. To you, Kyle. To me specifically, yeah. Yeah, when you were 13. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, can you find the uh, actual death certificate for the Blair Witch victims? (laughs) No, you can't. And I'm like, yes, I can. They're right there. (laughs) Kids, do you know what a movie is? Nope. They're characters, and it's written, and it's fake. No, it's real-life things that actually happen in the real world. (laughs) Okay, so the host, I guess you would call him, it's this, what would you say, an affable guy, very clean-cut kind of preppy dressed yeah his name the actor's name is steve burns he was part of that show's success wouldn't you say absolutely i think it was all him just talking to the camera Mm -hmm. well the story goes that unfortunately he died of a heroin overdose Mm -hmm. or he was run over by a car or he was arrested for drug possession probably heroin, and put away for a very long time. Oof. Yeah. Or he became a porn star. Yeah. <laughs> and then in some some variations, he was replaced by a lookalike. Not Melissa, but a, an even better lookalike. That's more fun. Who became Mr. Steve 2 or whatever his character's name is. I don't know. Yeah. Was it Steve as well? It was Steve on the show, yeah. Okay, so it was the same name, kind of like Blair Witch. Yeah. So did you think this guy was real on the show? Oh, hell yeah. Did you think he was just talking to you? He was just talking (laughs) to me. So these death rumors first surfaced in 1998, and like all the rumors in Mark's school, spread like wildfire. (laughs) Leading creator Angela... Santa Mero to appear on the Today Show in a segment about how to talk to your kids about the Blues Clues death rumor. Wow. So I'm sorry to report that it's not true. Uh, 
This urban legend is dead. Are you let down by that? <laughs> well, in the last few years, he's he's come back and, uh, you know, he's back in the cultural zeitgeist. I saw he did. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about him, but I did see that he did a video where he says, hey, guys, I'm, st- I'm still here or something. Yeah, was, he pulled the Mark Twain. Reports of my death have been greatly over-exaggerated. We got it right here. This is from 2022. This is a variety interview. And then at the end is that clip, Mark, that you were just talking about. He looks like he's like David Koresh's assistant now or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Hare Krishnas. Walter White's <laughs> lost son. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see what he has to say. I'm Steve Burns, and I'm going to address the rumors about me. Oh, my God. I did not die in a car accident. I did not die of an overdose. This is the worst Dr. Seuss book in history. I, did I just not imagine someone being like, yes, you illness. did. The death rumors <laughs> were at one point so persistent that I used to try to create my own. I died in a whaling accident in Nova Scotia. <laughs> what did happen nice. to me? I got old and I very on purpose disappeared from public life. I made wonderful. Always on purpose, right? Friendships. Mm -hmm. I had the greatest dog ever. I built a couple homes. I saw a good part of the world. His name was Blue. Yeah. He turned blue. I went to Antarctica, which you don't need to do, probably. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you. Oh, my God. Thanks for listening. Oh, I know people that watched that and cried. Oof, I'm going to throw up. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to cry at how, uh, you know, cringy that yeah, was. Yeah, so cringy. Yeah, he starts it by saying, like, you know, remember one day I just, you know, left? It's like a, an abusive dad coming back and being like, you remember that time I left? <laughs> he literally just goes like, I just wanted you to know I never forgot about you and I still love you. And I know people who watched it and were like. Because <laughs> they were fans of Blue's Clues? Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I would care if Big Bird suddenly released a message saying he didn't forget about me. Yeah. You know, there's a crazy thing where Big Bird was actually supposed to be on the Challenger that exploded. What? But instead Get they did. Out of here. And the Blair Witch people. Yes. So like, there was this whole thing where Big Bird was supposed to be on it, but uh, it, because they wanted to get kids involved in like thinking about the space program. And instead they were like, why don't we just have a contest where a teacher gets on? And so Big Bird almost died in the Challenger explosion. <laughs> they just see a bunch of yellow feathers falling into the ocean. <laughs> a beak lands on top of a building. Yeah, just destroys a kid. <laughs> it lands in a kid's kneecap. It's like, ow! You just see Oscar the Grouch is crying in his garbage pail. Lads is coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he pulls it down to not get hit with all the debris. <laughs> yeah, it's hitting all just the NASA. Clanging. Yeah, on fire NASA just random debris just hitting his trash thing receptacle. Oh, man. That could be an urban legend. We don't yeah. know. We'll have to look, all, leave that to the audience. On the Sesame Street, yeah, all the debris. <laughs> <laughs> there was a similar legend involving Mr. Rogers having a violent criminal past. Yeah. 
but that's also false. That's the Republicans or the Reagan administration starting that rumor, those scoundrels. Just trying to dirty him up. Wasn't he actually a Marine, Mr. Rogers? Was he a sniper? A Marine. Okay. One of these singers or entertainers was also a sniper. What if Mr. Rogers like SEAL Team 6 or something and he just like exploded guys' hearts like with with his bare hands or something? (laughs) Yeah, he snipes them out and then just goes and leaves like a little puppet on their dead body (laughs) instead of a a rose. (laughs) And this sounds like a joke, but John Denver was supposedly a sniper in the war. And he wrote the song Sunshine on My Shoulder about that experience because he would use the sunlight and when he would move his shoulder, it blinded the enemy's eyes. And that's when he would take his kill shot. Oh, jeez. He's a very <laughs> skilled man. Future episode. There we go. That guy, John Denver, is full of shit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, that's all I got. Wow. That was a great episode. Yeah. Final thoughts. Don't believe the hype. Okay. Rumors are good for marketing campaigns. They're very good. Yeah. They really are. Three men and a baby. When would you have ever rewound the VHS of that? Yeah. Why would you ever watch it in the first place? <laughs> right. We should tell people Kyle died or something on the podcast. Yeah. To start some crazy gorilla <laughs> campaign. Hell yeah. He's been replaced <laughs> by a guy named Murray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's put a mustache on Kyle. Uh, yeah. The name, the name of that movie about uh, where the girl goes from Japan to Fargo, North Dakota, to find the treasure is Kamiko, the treasure hunter. So it's a real movie out there, but based on a fake story. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Do you want to read the mailbag real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, quick couple items here. Um, the username Zom. Sugar, Zombie Sugar, uh, said, just discovered you guys. Nice. Great content. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, the username Tyson, T-I-E-S-Y-N, says, first time listening to this podcast, and you guys are hilarious. Thank you so much, Tyson. Um, third one here, Carol Tamian. Please continue this podcast, guys. It is awesome. Nice. Five E's at the end. Thanks, so Carol. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Oh, Carol. Too kind. Too That's kind. all I can think of. Horatio Sands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On SML. I'm Carol. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of canceled people. Oh, boy. Speaking I don't of know canceled, about this. yeah. We to end it on a bad note. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of Jimmy Fallon, also, so that's that's another side thing. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about later. All right, Dados, love you. Thanks for putting up with this odd episode where we're all in different locations. But hey, we had fun, and we hope you had fun too. Yeehaw, baby. Amen. And check us out for our TV debut on Vice TV. The episode yes. of Brittany Murphy's death called resolved that's right we've signed all the releases and they're gonna air yeah (laughs) checks in the mail (laughs) yeah Yeah, i got lost yeah Yeah. (laughs) now i can get that surgery i've been waiting to get (laughs) yeah that's the urban legend we actually got paid (laughs) (laughs) and then of course follow us on instagram twitter youtube and patreon of course patreon I, i like to end with patreon that's where we really want you yeah absolutely support the show please and that's all we got okay until next week don't go dying on us bye 
You have just heard... A true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.